This month, our podcast is brought to you by Jay Brooks Coffee Roasters in Memphis, Tennessee. You know by now how much I love coffee, and Jay Brooks has a special place in my heart. True North is their original signature blend. Its name points to Jesus Christ, who they say is the real owner of this company. The name reminds us that we are guided by unwavering integrity and clarity of purpose directed by our Lord. The name derives from the world of orienteering, finding your way across terrain with a map and a compass. In order to stay on course and avoid getting lost, the compass must remain oriented toward true north to avoid getting off track by the pull of the compass toward magnetic north. When trekking in the backcountry, the alignment of the compass with true north must be regularly calibrated multiple times along the path in order to stay on course. Did you know that? I love learning new things. Just as the pull of magnetic north can get a hiker off track and eventually lost, so the pull of the world can also affect each one of us. If we're not careful to constantly calibrate ourselves, our spirits, ethics, morals, decisions, with our perfect standard in Jesus, we'll slowly but surely lose our way and end up somewhere we don't want to be. It's in these moments when it's especially important to create some breathing room and ask, how's all that working for you? Jaybrook's Coffee Roasters offers True North as a perfectly balanced cup that reminds us to remain centered in the one who is perfect to orient our lives every day. And hopefully we'll savor a cup that infuses a bit of tasty delight along the way. To order this signature blend for yourself and learn more about Jay Brooks, click the link in the show notes or visit jbrookscoffeeroasters.com. That's the letter J, brookscoffeeroasters.com. You are officially invited to create some breathing room. This is the absolute best podcast to find the strategies, resources, and motivation you need to stop drowning in overwhelm break free from hustle culture, and live out your God-given purpose. I'm your host, Rachel Baker, and girl, I've been there, done that. It is my God-given purpose to help you find space for an intentional life so you can confidently live in those strengths, skills, and passions that light you up and serve others. I know you are ready to create some breathing room, so let's do it together. Welcome to episode 24 of Create Some Breathing Room. As we wrap up this month's theme of overwhelm, I am so excited to bring you another guest interview. And y'all, this one is good. I cannot wait for you to hear all the amazing stories, the advice. There's just so much in this episode that I think you are really going to love. So today's guest is Dr. Jessica Peck. If you do not know her, let me tell you a little bit about her. So as a pediatric nurse practitioner in primary care, over the last 20 years, Dr. Jessica Peck has engaged, encouraged, equipped, and empowered families to raise holistically healthy kids. She guides parents to help navigate challenging parenting moments, to escape shame and stigma, and to do it with grace and hope and courage. And you're going to hear she just embodies all of this. She is a native Texan, and she's a clinical professor at Baylor University, Louise Harrington School of Nursing. So that's where the doctor piece come in. She's a professor, but she's also a nurse practitioner. And then she's also a mama. She is an internationally awarded nursing leader. She served as president of the National Association of Pediatric Nurse Practitioners. She has a whole host of awards that would take a really long time to list out. 
But most importantly, she says, this is her most important feature, she's been happily married to a rocket scientist, truly, for nearly 25 years, and she's a mom of four teenagers. She's a passionate advocate for underserved children and anti-trafficking. She equips families to promote physical, mental, emotional, relational, and spiritual health, covering all the bases, right? She especially loves encouraging parents in her clinical practice and equipping them to build those healthy relationships with their children. She speaks to nurses all over the world while also reaching out directly to parents so they feel engaged and equipped and encouraged. They are empowered to raise resilient, holistically healthy kids. Dr. Peck is an accomplished author, and we are going to talk about her book. It's so good. Everybody needs it. But she's also an author of dozens of clinical articles for peer-reviewed journals. She's a regular contributor to parenting magazines. She's a frequent guest on radio and television shows. She's all about promoting the health of children. She's been a regular guest on the Nurse Practitioner Show on Sirius XM's Doctor Radio. Did you know that was a thing? I guess if you're in the doctor field, you might. <laughs> and she's also appeared on syndicates for CBS, NBC, ABC, and Fox. How did we land her here on Create Some Breathing Room? I don't even know, but I'm thrilled she's here. We had such an amazing conversation. I cannot wait for you to hear it. Let's jump right into it. Hello, Jessica. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Rachel. Thanks so much for having me today. I'm so glad we're gonna we're gonna make it happen this time. I mentioned before we started, this is round three for us to have this conversation. And I'm grateful because I love hanging out with you. But also it just kind of validates this is these are words that need to be out there, I think. And three is a biblical number, you know, good things happen in threes. And so third time is going to be the charm. This is going to be, I don't know as you're listening, what you're in for, but something magical is about. That's that's right. (laughs) The spirit is at work here. Right. So let's do it. First, start us off. You know, I've did a little intro for you, but please share with us who you are and what you're about. Well, I love to start my introduction by telling you a story about my youngest son. I was picking him up from school and I overheard him telling his friend, hey, my mom's a famous nurse. And his friend's like, oh, yeah, how do you know that? And my son said, I asked Alexa. So I hear him in his room. What more do you need? Exactly. Alexa, who is Dr. Jessica Peck? And it's true. If you Google me, you'll see that I've been really blessed to have a lot of success in nursing. I'm a pediatric nurse practitioner. I'm a professor. I'm a mom of four. But that's where I am today. And that is certainly not where I started. I mean, I started as the first woman in my family to go to college. I graduated with an associate degree. I had a 2.6 GPA. I was working three jobs to try to put myself through school with really not very much support at all. And I started as a girl with broken family relationships. I discovered in my nurse practitioner program when I had to make a genogram, which is like a family tree of diagnoses, 
that addiction was something that really wound its way through our family. And even for those people who didn't struggle with addiction, they struggled with the impacts, the relational impacts of Mm -hmm. addiction. And so that was really difficult. And as I became a mom, I was estranged from my parents and thought, how can I be a mom when I don't have a mom? And so I was deeply, deeply insecure and felt like a fraud at work. Here I am, a pediatric nurse practitioner. Sure, I'll tell you what to do with your kids. I mean, it's not working for mine, but okay, I don't know what I'm doing, but maybe right. this will work for you. Exactly. <laughs> and it got to escalated to the point where my oldest daughter turned 13 and the opening scene of Behind Closed Doors is her throwing a book at my head. Mm-hmm. And God has a sense of humor because he took that book she threw at me and made it into a book that I'm sharing with other people. But I really, it was at that time I realized I needed a new mindset. I needed a new skill set and I needed to be willing to unlearn and relearn some things. And that's the journey that I've been on and that I'm wanting to share with the world. I love that. And it, there is so much in this book that we could unpack, like just, we can start a series. I know I'll say it probably 500 times in this interview, like just go get the book, get the book. Um, But there are some very specific things for our conversation today, because you know, the listeners of this podcast, we are all about creating some breathing room in our lives. And this series we're doing right now, we are really focusing on overwhelm in different aspects, the way it shows up in different ways. And for our conversation, I knew you were the person to talk to about this because multiple reasons, you know, your your credentials, your book, but also as a mom of four, you know very well that overwhelm feeling that moms get. It's a lot. <laughs> and so I knew you would be able to speak to this topic for the moms that are listening. So thank you for coming in for that. Um, I do always ask guests, so we'll start with that idea of breathing room. I'd love to know what does that look like or feel like for you? It's really hard, honestly, Mm. Rachel. I mean, I have four kids, 20, 18, 16, and 14. My house perpetually looks like either someone's moving or we're having a birthday party when neither (laughs) of those things are usually true because I have kids coming in and out all of the time. I'm a working mom. Uh, It's very, very difficult and I'm not that great at it. So I have my kids will call me out when I need to take some downtime. So for me, I, I really love to travel. I travel a lot for work. And so I usually will try to bring someone along with me and just create that breathing space that, you know, no one's at my door with the Amazon package, or I don't feel obligated to go do a little bit of laundry. And so whenever I'm away, I really try to get that little bit of breathing space. Um, But in the mornings, I start off the same way every morning. I start off with coffee. I I, I think we've talked about this before, Rachel, I need coffee and I need Jesus, but I know it sounds like a cheesy t-shirt, but that is me. Girl, I've (laughs) owned that cheesy t-shirt shirt. Who are you talking to? (laughs) Right. So I'm going to have my coffee and I'm going to read my devotional. I do that every single morning, just starting off the day, being grounded in that way. And then I end my day by leaving time to tuck my kids in at night. That's where I find breathing room too. I leave my phone outside of their room, go in, 
hear the war and peace of their life. You know, right. It always, it's always at bedtime. What is that? I know. Isn't that the truth? Anything to get rid of bedtime. When they're little, it's, I need a glass of water. And when yes. they're you know older, it's, I got to tell you something, but I, I do. I sit down and create that space to do that. So those are just some of the rhythms that I do to create some space in my life. I love that. I good. And th- at this point, especially with four kids, the kids are part of that, but you also feel like it's a moment to take a breath. Yes. So I love hearing from all the different guests we have because it's different for everybody. You know, we've got all different types and that helps me as well to hear it to go, oh yeah, that, that could be good. Maybe I need to do that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so- Thank or you. that would never work for me. Oh. Right. Yes. Oh, we, I did interview, uh, had Michelle Goff. She's another author. We had oh. her on and she is extrovert, like full. She just wants to be with all the people all the time. And some of her I was like, mm, I love that for you. <laughs> That's so good. So thank you for sharing those. Um, I want to get right into this overwhelming feeling we can get when we are trying to raise our kiddos and especially teens. I know not everybody listening is going to have teen kids, but if you are a parent, you're either gonna or you have had teen kids. And you speak a lot about that communication bridge, trying to build that between us as parents, them as teens, but it feels so hard. It feels so overwhelming. Um, speaking from personal experience. So why is it so hard, Dr. Peck? Why is it so hard? And how can we decrease how overwhelming that can feel? Well, we are living at the speed of a smartphone, Rachel, and that is overwhelming. So when our moms were being moms, pretty much the only criticism they had was from their moms or maybe the occasional book that would come out that everybody would read and then, you know, ascribe to that particular method. Right. But we didn't have the constant comparisons like we do now. Mm -hmm. And we talk a lot about teens on social media, but Rachel, we are just as guilty of the comparison trap of looking at ourselves on Facebook and seeing that mom who always shows up early in the yoga pants that doesn't look like she actually did yoga in them with the perfect coffee and the perfect hair. I'm sure my PJs. Yes. Who is that? Right. And we think, oh, why couldn't uh, their kids did this with them or their kids did a TikTok dance with them or their kids, you know, did this. I wish my kids would do that. And so we have that insecurity feeding us. And then we have every expert on the planet, like me and you sitting here saying, this is how you should parent, you know, this is what you should do. Right. All of those things feel overwhelming. And every parent is wondering, am I messing up my kid for life? Mm. So I think one of the best things that we can do to decrease that voice of anxiety within us is to stop parenting from a fear-based place. Mm -hmm. Stop being afraid of everything, thinking, oh my gosh, there's fentanyl in the Halloween candy. You know, now we got to be afraid of human trafficking. And oh, now we got to be afraid of, you know, social media on your phone. And every time we just let our heads get snapped around and we have this defensive posture where we think we will fight culture and I will make sure that nothing bad ever comes to my child, which is just not true. Mm -hmm. So what I do in behind closed doors is give you that tool, just like you talked about for that relationship bridge. If you invest all of your energy into building healthy relationships, 
the rest of it is easy to figure out. Mm. So that bridge is just four easy steps. L-O-V-E, love your teen or love your child. And it can work with any age. So you've got listen with your face, offer open-ended questions, validate their emotions and explore next steps together. So it's so important, parents, we, we, and here's where I'll get on my little soapbox and then I'll stop. Okay. Oh, let's have it. As parents, what we do is we try to control our kids' behavior Mm -hmm. because it's an instant feedback loop that I'm doing a good job. So we treat parenting like a chia pet. You know, I just want to put a little effort in and tomorrow we have a plant and everything's good, right? Right. That's how this works, right? (laughs) Exactly. Like we want to be a virtual assistant online. How can I help you? Okay. Well, why don't you try this? Thank you very much. Take a survey about my service. You know, that's a parent, but parenting is for the long game. And we have to understand that planting and harvesting don't happen in the same season, that we have to have patience and confidence to know that what we have planted will grow in another season. And our kids need to see that confidence in our eyes. Mm -hmm. We cannot lecture our way to leverage behavioral change. We cannot argue our way into right relationship. That communication bridge starts with listening. We cannot start with lecturing. So you've got to listen and then cultivate curiosity and asking questions first, inviting them to share, get more information to see where they are, and then validating their emotions. Say, I see this makes you upset. I can Mm -hmm. see this has you worried. That is going to lower their defenses so that they will be more receptive. And it also helps them to know you to know where they are. I'll give you one little quick story. When my daughter was about three or so, she asked me one day, she said, mom, what's a virgin? And I'm thinking she's three. Like, where did she hear this? Like it was Christmas time. I'm thinking, were we talking about the Virgin Mary? Like what in the world? And so Uh I said, where did you hear this? And she said on TV. And I said, Okay. And it was my pants <laughs> rising, you know? And um, I said, what TV show? And she said, Caillou. And for those of you younger moms who don't know Caillou, he's like the most annoying five-year-old. The worst. It's the, the worst terrible. show ever created. Yes. I'm thinking you heard Virgin on Caillou. And, and finally I said, what did they say? And she said, his dad has a virgin to cats. And I was like, aversion, aversion. See, and that, that principle holds too, true when they're teens. If we don't take the time to really understand where they're coming from, we can't best equip them. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Kai used that. I couldn't, my children did not <laughs> know that show well, uh, for many reasons, but that's <laughs> hilarious. As you were talking about that, one of the things that was going through my mind. First of all, ouch, my toes. Um, Not mad about it though. But second of all, the moments of wanting instant gratification as a parent or their behavior making you think if you are failing or succeeding as a parent, that is, I know 100% where a lot of my frustration or my anger comes out with when I'm angry or frustrated with my kids, I'd say 85% of the time it has nothing to do with what they've actually done. It's with how I feel as a parent, how that made me. Did am I failing? Am I succeeding? Did I do a good job? Have I failed you as a mom completely? Right. We all immediately go into these like freaked out, like you said, fear. It's a place of fear. And so that awareness has helped so much just to realize 
I feel crazy angry and emotional right now. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's on me. That's me (laughs) to own that. So that I think has been um, really, really helpful. So thank you for speaking into that. Um, Speak it to myself every day. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, those are constant reminders. I need it repeat tattooed. I don't know somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So within the book, which I'm going to say again, everybody needs, uh, I love you, you. You have all these stories from your experience in the clinic, from your experience as a mom, but there are so many practical things that we can apply taking from those experiences. You've got the questions, the activities, the legacy letters, which you know you're going to have to share about here. Um, But they really, I think, speak directly to this idea of overwhelm that parents have and feel. And so I would love to hear more about just how you got to those Um, why you decided to put them in. Talk to me about that piece. Sure. So, you know, I just feel like God has had me on a journey and looking as my persona, my roles in life as a professor, as a nurse practitioner, as a mom that gave birth to my online persona, which is Dr. Nurse Mama, that Mm -hmm. professor brain, hands-on nursing experience and hard as a mom to be a guide on the side to help parents during this really tough time. And so I, I started looking at parenting books and finding, I think my perspective is pretty unique looking at 12 issues that face teens today, all kinds of families, all walks of life, and looking at that from a clinical perspective. How do they get to my clinic? You know, if they're depressed because they're sexting, their appointment note doesn't say that. It says they have right. a, they have a stomach ache, you know, and then I'm figuring this out. And so I share that health impact. And then home strategies behind the home door. I talk about specific physical environments that you can set up to nurture conversations, specific questions specific activities that you can do. It's a Jumanji style parenting adventure Mm -hmm. because the nurse in me wants it to be very practical. And then behind the home door, that's the spiritual care for ourselves. Because when we face the world, we can feel overwhelmed. Mm. We can feel very discouraged and very depressed as we look at the world our kids are facing. So I want to take care of the parents' hearts as we go through this too. But you're right. One of my favorite things is something called legacy letters. And what I was learning as I was learning about Gen Z is that they view communication as digital and disposable. Everything is designed to disappear. Like when we were taking a picture, you would have, you know, you have to be careful about the picture you take, first of all, because you only have 24 clicks. (laughs) Exactly. I'm imagining the disposable and clicking through to the next until it stops. Yeah. Go ahead. Exactly. (laughs) Then you take it to the pharmacy, you hope for the best. Maybe not everybody's looking, but it's what you had and you cherish that. Right. Oh, text messages disappear. Social media messages are designed to disappear. And kids take photos by the thousands. I mean, and unflattering. It doesn't matter because they just can take another one. So what I've discovered is that Gen Z, their uh, affection for, oh, this hurts to say vintage uh, things like handwritten letters and things from like the 1900s. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. What my kids call back then, like it's an official era means before the internet. Mm-hmm. But I discovered that they really do value these letters. It's kind of interesting because they don't get those. So one of the, the letters I know I've shared with you, Rachel, is from the chapter on divorce. 
Yes. And I got a letter from a mom not too long ago who had been through a really difficult divorce and her teenage son was angry and he was hurt and having trouble processing that. And the mom was really doing the best that she could, but it was just a difficult situation. And so he started hanging out with the wrong kids. He, she caught him drinking. He was just engaged in some risk-taking behaviors, which is not uncommon when kids experience trauma. Mm-hmm. And so she said that her sister put this book and her hands. And she said she read the chapter on divorce and wept her way through it. And she got to the legacy letter, which that challenge was write a letter to your child, praising the qualities they got from their other parent and tell them no matter how the relationship ended, that they are a gift to cherish with no regrets. Oh, sorry. It gets me every time. It's, yep. it's a whole thing. It's a thing. It's a whole thing, right? <laughs> so she said, I knew it would be the hardest thing I've ever done, but I, I wrote it to him and I left it on his bed and he didn't say anything, didn't acknowledge it for two weeks. And then he came to her and said, you know, when you gave me this letter, he said, I thought you hated my dad mm-hmm. and I'm half my dad. So I thought you hated half of me and I hate all of me, all of me. Oh, sorry. And she said, it, you know, obviously there was no um, miraculous fixing of any of the circumstances, but it was a point in time. It was a pivotal moment where it was a breakthrough where they have a long road ahead with therapy, but it was a turning point. And so I just believe that God takes our little things that we do and he can use these things to really forge a healthy relationship because that's the number one predictor of kids making it through trauma. Okay. It's just meaningful connection to one adult. Mm -hmm. So that could be you. It could be a Sunday school teacher or coach or a healthcare provider or grandparent. So many people but we have the privilege to decide if we want that to be us. Yeah. And that chapter, I mean, same, I think I've told you this too. This was a an epic one for me to read as well. You know, we went through that years ago. My kids have been through that and different place now, but that's a piece of our story, right? And to read through that and, you know, my daughter, 15. Now we go through some hard stuff together. And so to read that and think about writing that letter, that is a brave thing for a parent to do, first of all. But I love that that prompt is there. I love the purpose behind it. It's on my list of things, you know, it's on my list of things that I I want to do that for my kids because I do think it's important. And that's just one of the many examples like that, right? Because Every family, all kids, we've all got different things we're dealing with. And so I just want to speak to those listening. You know, it may not be divorce. There may be something else that is challenging in your life, your kid's life, your family. Um, But things like that are throughout the book and such an encouragement, the relationship builders. um, So love those. Thank you for putting that in there. Well, it's been fun and I'm practicing what I preached and, and you're right. You know, there are different endings. It's like a choose your own ending. So not every option is going to work for every family. So I wanted to put relatable options in there, but it has been so exciting, Rachel, to hear really from parents all over the world. Just in the last month, I've heard from a parent in England, a parent in Australia that are all facing the same kinds of issues with their teens. And, you know, we have so much shame and stigma associated with that. That can be overwhelming thinking sometimes we're more afraid of the response that we will get to a challenge we're having 
then we're afraid of the actual challenge, you know, right. So that can be really hard to do, but I I'm hoping that parents will just open up. And that's why the book is called behind closed doors, because I see that life is not perfect. We all have things that we're dealing with, but we can deal with it in a way that's healthy. And the important thing to remember is that we're not perfect, you know, perfect, healthy relationships are not perfect. And perfect relationships are not possible. And even if they were, they wouldn't be healthy Mm -hmm. and healthy relationships. I look at my daughter now, she's 20. We have a healthy relationship and, you know, it's not perfect. We still have conflict. We still have disagreement. We still have, you know, troubles that we have to navigate, but we are able to do that in a way that's resilient. And that's not, you know, overwhelming and relationship killing. Yes. And soul crushing too. Soul crushing, right? right. It feels so big sometimes. But yeah, those healthy connections help you wade through it together and get to the other side. So, so good. Um, I would love to hear you have such a unique perspective as the clinician, the professor, the mom, you know. So, just what you've seen, because we talk about being overwhelmed as parents, but we also, as we are parenting, want to help our kids have that resilience, know how to deal with it when they feel overwhelmed, right? So um, I'd love to hear from your experience, what you've seen in the value of helping our kids get strategies in place or learn how to deal with that in their own lives. Well, I feel like this is the point where I should mention I'm married to a rocket scientist who thinks it's hilarious that people think I'm the smart one in this relationship. Uh huh. That is fantastic. (laughs) Right. But, you know, as parents, we have, we've navigated with four kids, we've navigated a lot of this. And every one of our kids, their personalities are different. And we have to parent them differently. So that's the first thing that I would say. Sometimes as parents, we make the mistake of thinking, you know, we just have to have this set rule as parents when, you know, honestly, one of our kids probably could have handled social media at the age of four and the other one will likely be 40 before we're ready to even have this conversation. So I think embracing their individuality and their temperament is really important in this. But when we're looking at them being overwhelmed, they are overwhelmed by living at the speed of a smartphone, Mm -hmm. even if they don't have one. It doesn't matter. A lot of parents think, oh, my kid doesn't have a phone or my kid doesn't have social media. They are still living in a world that is controlled and dominated by smartphones and social media. So Mm -hmm. this is a world where their world could be turned upside down at any moment. I think of a story of a teenage girl who was on the subway in New York with shorts on. She had a condition called neurofibromatosis, which makes little tumors grow all over your body. Somebody recorded her without her consent or knowledge and used two emojis to change her life. Just said a monkey face and a question mark. Like, Mm -hmm. is this girl on a public train with monkeypox. Well, it went viral. Her sister saw it. Her life was turned upside down. And that's what our kids are overwhelmed by. So even if they don't have a phone, they don't have a social media, anywhere they're out in public, someone could record them. The other thing is that the world is so much bigger. And when we were growing up, the world looked like our community. And if we had a tragedy or something difficult, we came together COVID has torn the world apart. And then when you get on a social media algorithm, you see something bad happens. 
then the algorithm feeds them that because social media companies are employing the world's best psychologist whose only job is to get you addicted to their platform. So they start to think, oh, the world is just a terrible place and I'm overwhelmed. And all of those things are so, so difficult. So kids really need meaningful relationship connections in person. It's a time for us to partner their new worldview with our old school social skills. They need those so badly. Mm-hmm. We've got to push them to do that and just build that relationship so that we can help navigate this complicated world together. Yes. So good. That made me think there were a couple conversations I had recently. Um, one was we were talking about this need to teach social skills that we often feel like that it should come naturally. Why don't you know this? We get frustrated with them. Um, but realizing that there isn't this immediate, you know, like neighborhood kids, you talk about community, like go out and play with neighborhood kids. Most kids do not have that now. So they are not out there playing tag, you know, four-year-olds and fourth graders playing together, learning how to accommodate for each other and how to work out scenarios on their, you know, we played all kinds of crazy stuff with all different ages and you figure out how to make it work or it doesn't work, right? And that critical thinking, that compassion, that there's all these different things that we learned growing up in scenarios like that, but they don't have scenarios like that much. And even recess at school is so cut down. And so um, that just something we talked about as moms the other day, like my kid literally doesn't know how to do this thing. Why? For an appointment, Right. Or go and ask somebody at a counter for change or mm-hmm. you know, instructions or something like that, because all of these interactions are so digital. I could not agree more. And so I think you know, we knew how to show up. Like if the phone line is busy, you just go ring the doorbell and see if they're home. I mean, now I think Gen Z would have an absolute panic if somebody shows up unannounced. Like, why did you text me or tell me? I see you over there. You're constantly doing all the things for everyone else, but when do you have time to breathe and take care of yourself? God did not create you to be an afterthought, sis. It's time to refill your cup so that you can keep pouring into others without running on empty. I'm hosting a three-night, two-day retreat for women who struggle with constant exhaustion, feeling overwhelmed, never feeling caught up, and wishing they could just escape for a hot second. I want you to click the link in the show notes, or you can head over to racheldbaker.com to join the waitlist for the Renewal Retreat. Be the first to get the details for our next retreat so you can rest, recharge, and find refuge with other women who totally get it. You can't truly invest in others until you've invested in yourself. So click that link in the show notes or head over to racheldbaker.com and join the waitlist for the renewal retreat. Yes, I have a story for that. My kid, one of my kids, when when he was really little, I mean, he was, I mean, not little, little, but he was 
young enough that he wasn't going to go somewhere on his own, even like across the street, but he wanted to go see if a kid was home and if he could come out and play. But the anxiety of knocking on someone's door and what might come after, it was like crippling. And I I was like, I will stand right here on the front porch. I wasn't, you know, I'm like, I want you to do this thing. You're going to go be brave. I'm not going with you. I'm not going to knock for you. But if you want to play, you've got to go. And and there are so many things like that, that we just think, what is happening? What have I done? What, how have I failed? Right. As a mom. (laughs) Right. Um, But yeah, just, I think that awareness that some of those things do need to be taught mm-hmm. um, was so good. So anyway, I have so many stories as well. <laughs> we won't story all day. Y'all do as moms. I mean, that's just the story of our Girl, life. let me tell you. No. Um, yes. And I think I wanted to just kind of bring to light also, you've said it so many times, but this idea that they don't need the perfect parent. Yes. They need the present right. parent, I guess, just somebody there right that they know they can go to and i that was part of you know my kid going and knocking on somebody's door if he knew i was there even though i was back on our porch right he'd kind of he'd go a little bit and he'd look back <laughs> and he'd walk a little and he'd look back again she's still there um that image is what comes to mind when i think of that i'm yes. not doing everything right but i'm here i'm so glad you reminded me of that rachel because it is so true kids do not need a perfect parent they need a present parent and they need us to be present physically and psychologically and emotionally because so many times we judge our success by our ability to fix our kids problems oh yeah and so we think oh i couldn't fix that or they were still upset or you know i couldn't resolve that situation like yeah but were you there Mm-hmm. Did they know that you loved them? Did you listen? Did you give them a hug? Did you say some encouraging words? That's a success. You know, we yeah. can't fix everything. It's like we have this quest to be lawnmower parents, keeping everything all manicured. So nothing, you know, looks awry or helicopter parents where we're hovering to intervene or bulldozer parents, you know, knocking down every obstacle. Mm-hmm. But the truth is they just need us as a coach, a coach who loves them, who's tough, who will push them when they need to be pushed, who will make them rest when they need to rest. And most of all, the biggest role of a coach is to make sure the practice environment is safe. So that's what we need to do. Make sure that we have a safe environment where it's safe to fail, where they can figure out not how to do things and it's okay. And they build resilience and move on. And one of the things I know we've talked about, Rachel, is being present by listening with your face. That's one thing that I say, oh, and over. Yeah, again. that was one of the first things that I heard from you. And hang on, I'm going to I'm gonna use a term that I learned from you is a fubbing, oh. right? <laughs> Yes. I know you have to think twice and make sure. Did I just say a bad word? No, you right. didn't. Did I just cuss? At <laughs> you did just, not. No. Okay. Fubbing was a word I did not know until, you know, I follow you on Instagram. You always have such good content and the book and all, but I, that was when I was like, I'm sorry, what? She's just making up words now. What is, okay. So in case, in case somebody else doesn't know what fubbing is, please share. <laughs> I will. So P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G, phone snubbing. 
we snub people with our phone by preferring online interactions more than what is real life occurring in front of us. Mm -hmm. So how many times we'll just, we'll pick on the husbands here for a second. How many times have you been talking to your husband during a sports game and they're not listening and you say, you're not listening. And they say, yes, I am. And they repeat back everything that you just said to prove that they were indeed listening, but you don't feel heard. You know, Mm -hmm. you just don't feel heard. And that's how our kids are. So fubbing, when we don't make eye contact with them, then actually what happens when we do is their brain secrete oxytocin, which is the same chemical that we have as mothers nursing babies. They feel physically bonded to us. Mm. It takes about 20 seconds to do that. And so I'll give my kids a, they call it an oxytocin hug or an oxytocin, nice. you know, face listening with my face because I want them to feel bonded. So there's a lot of times where I have to consciously put down my phone. I have to give my kids permission to call me out and, Oh, Oh, that is, that's hard. Mm-hmm. I don't love, I don't love that very much, but they do. And I mean, my son, he called me out and again, it's borderline inappropriate, but he wasn't wrong. He said that when mom snubbed their kids, they're just being mother fubbers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, wrong. he's not wrong. I, he wasn't wrong. And I thought, yes, I'm fubbing you. And so they'll, they'll call me out on that. And you know, that is, uh, that that is true. And so I sometimes if I'm driving, I'll just pull over and stop and say, This seems important. I need to listen with my face. I I'm just that is something I think I am daily working on. And it's not um I'm I'm trying to also be aware it's not an intentional snubbing of my kids, right? I'm not a horrible person. It is a thing that just has really grabbed our attention. And we think we're listening. I hear what you're saying as I scroll through or look at or whatever it is that I was in the middle of doing when you walked up and started talking. But that mindfulness of, I can either look at this and take in that information, or I can turn this way and fully listen and take in that information. Because doing both at the same, it's kind of like multitasking, right? I preach this all day long to my coaching clients, to all people that like, I used to think, yes, multitasking, I can do so many things at once. Nothing gets done well. We're not actually, we're just divided all over the place. So uh, that listening with my face, I'm I'm going to like, that's my new mom. I need to listen with my face. Yes, I know it's so hard. And, you know, recently my grandmother, who I'm very close to, she w- was put in a nursing home and I was looking through old pictures of her as we're preparing her house to sell and it was interesting because I noticed she doesn't look at the camera in any of the pictures. And I thought, you're like, there's no picture with her smiling. Like with me, she's always looking at the person she's with. Like she, and it really stuck mm. out to me because I thought she didn't even take an, a moment from that interaction to pose for a picture. That wasn't what she was about. She was just in that moment. And really kind of a beautiful legacy. And I thought, oh man, I think I want some of those pictures for my kids, but it was so genuine. You know, how do you do it without posing? I don't know. Right. Yeah. We are, man, as soon as a camera comes out, I mean, anymore, if someone's got a phone out, it's kind of like you said with the kids, like immediate reaction, like, are they taking my picture? Am I on video right now? Do I need um, higher, higher, please higher angle, right? Like, no, no, no. Up here, baby up here. 
<laughs> little up. I don't need you to get all four of my chins in this picture. Come on. <laughs> I know. And that's terrible. So, you know, just, it's really made me rethink the way that I have a relationship with screens in my house. That's so good. Um, okay. I've got a couple more questions. We're going to wrap okay. it up. There's been so right. much gold here today. Um, but just for yourself and or your with your kids, I'd love to hear if there are any specific tools or strategies that you have found that really are helpful as far as managing your own time or allowing some more space for that breathing room in your life. Actually, one of the things that has real that really helped me was in choosing my battles. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when I found I was arguing with my kids all the time and it was so exhausting and I just would get in bed and think like, oh, today was just terrible. You know, I did nothing but fight with my kids and gripe at them and harp at them. And I thought, oh, it's because I'm choosing every battle. I'm not choosing my battles. Mm-hmm. And so I think some in some stages of parenting, there's just there's some things that you just have to let go. So if my kid is really struggling with their grades or they're having trouble being really disrespectful or, you know, something else that's bigger, like maybe that's the day I'm not going to complain about their unmade bed in their messy room. Like (laughs) I'm just going to choose to let that go because that gives some grace and space in the relationship that you're not arguing about everything that has really, really helped. And the thing that has helped our family too, is just having tech-free times and tech-free zones. We've all agreed on those as a family and it's made a huge difference. And I think as parents, a lot of times we're we're so pressured to be the screen police, you know, limit Mm -hmm. how much screen time and when, and how many apps and, you know, how much social media, but really the, the answer is kind of freeing. You just flip the paradigm, provide activities that are more compelling than screen time, invite them into your life. You'll be so surprised at how much they join you. Hey, I'm going on a walk. Who wants to go? Well, actually people want to go, you know, or if I ask her several times, like they'll, that maybe they don't want to go the first time, but then they get curious and they start going. So I think those kinds of things um, have been really helpful in creating space in, in our house. Yes. I have been very surprised. There've been a few times just even recently where uh, we have a basketball goal, you know, out at our driveway and my husband will go out, you know, after after he gets home from work, he'll go out and shoot sometimes. And my kids might not even be aware that he's out there, you know, they're involved in whatever they're doing. And there was one day I said something like, does anybody want to go out and like shoot hoops with dad? And my son, we're not like a super athletic family. I'm just going to put that out. Like we're like, the arts and crafts and music and reading <laughs> family. Okay. But when it was, do you want to go do this thing with dad? My son's like, oh yeah, I want to do that. And he, whatever he was doing, put it down and went out the front door. I was like, for real, there's no way that should have worked. <laughs> <laughs> so there have been a few things like that where I've been very surprised if they were on a computer or in the middle of a project like that, that they'll drop it. They'll, you know, we should have a, like a board game night. What board game should we play? You know, immediately. Monopoly like, deal. That's the one. Yeah. Monopoly deal. Monopoly deal. That's our obsession this summer. Yeah. So fun. We uh, have really been loving Settlers of Catan. My kiddos. Awesome. Love that one. I'm telling you, we are a nerdy crew over here. Uh, so that's one, but you know, instead of we were going to watch this TV show. Well, what if they're choosing the board game over the TV and 
Why is that so surprising to me? I don't know, but it has been. <laughs> they do. That's that's the myth that I think culture feeds us is that mm-hmm. kids don't care what you think. They don't want to spend time with you. They can't get their face out of their phone to give you the time of day. It's just, but that's just not true. They're made to want our company, to want our affirmation. We just have to put in the effort to do what they want to do and meet them where they are. You know, maybe that's getting down on a little video game chair and humiliating yourself, you know, <laughs> by playing and getting destroyed, like, you know, or, or having your kids say like, Hey, help me make a social media profile, having them teach you something. It, you just have to find that connection. And that's one of the main things I tried to do is just give you a ton of ideas and yes. you have to be prepared that they might reject you at first. And that's okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. That is completely fine. Do not let it crush your heart and soul forever. Just know that they're trying to decide, can I trust this? Like, I mean, because it's not fair, Rachel, we do the same thing. If our kids come to us and all of a sudden they've got this great behavior and they've cleaned up everything and they're saying, oh, mom, what can I do to help you? I mean, to coin Gen Z vernacular, we're like, this is sus. Like, You look in sus, bruh. You look in sus. I love saying things like that to my kids are like, stop it right now. Cringe, cringe, mom, cringe. So cringe. (laughs) And so they do the same thing to us. That's what they're thinking. This is suspicious. What do you want? Are you going to tell me that grandma's coming and I have to give up my room? Like, you know, what, what is this? But over time, if you are persistent, then it will pay dividends. Yes. And also I love, you mentioned earlier that, that idea, well, the mom who wrote the letter to her son, and then it was two weeks later that he came back. Because I know for me, and this may be my ADHD brain, but that instant grat- gratification, right? That dopamine hit that let me know that I just did a good job as a mom. Please yeah. tell me how meaningful and special this letter is. You're going to treasure it forever. And we're now best friends, right? <laughs> like that, re- I have to remind myself, like, it's okay if I leave it on the pillow and then mm-hmm. I never hear a word about it. I'm, I'm doing my part. Right. And you have, you have shared that with me multiple times. So growing a pineapple, right. That takes an average of two years to grow. The first time I went to a pineapple farm, I'm like, how do you come out here every day and just look at the dirt? Oh my goodness. You're watering it and you're taking care of it. And it's not going to grow for two years. But that's how we need to be as parents is know that we have planted that seed and it will grow. And it's okay that it's not growing right now. And that is so hard for us as parents, but just having confidence to know we're doing what we need to do and then just trust God with the rest. It is, it sounds easy. It's not, but it really is a very free way to live. Yes. Yes. I'm, I think that's something I'm kind of growing into in this season right now as a parent is that there's only so much I can do. Yeah. I do my part and then I pray a lot. (laughs) Just keep showing up. I don't know how else to do parenting right now. So I'm really glad to hear you say like, yeah, that sounds good. Good plan. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we can't hold our kids to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. Mm -hmm. We are not perfect, Rachel. We mess up. You know, we use sharp tongues. We gossip. We get angry. We get Mm -hmm. lazy. We do all of those things. And yet somehow we expect our kids to not do that. And here's a really challenging thing that's hard. But if you think about that one thing about your kid, that's just driving you crazy right now. (laughs) 
If you're really honest and you put a mirror back around, you probably will find some of that in you. Not the mirror, Jessica. But it's true. Like if they won't get off their phone, well, will you get off your phone? Do you not like the way they talk to you? Well, do you not? I know. I know. Dagger in the heart. And I'm just as guilty. I mean, I'm right there learning alongside of you for sure. Yeah. Well, the, I think the most beautiful thing about the title of your book, that behind closed doors, besides the fact that you are sharing what you're hearing and learning behind closed doors, but there is this very biblical concept of bringing things into the light, coming out of the darkness. When we shine the light on it, that's when the healing starts. That's that vulnerability. And so that's one of the reasons I love having these conversations on this podcast. A lot of people, I mean, they may feel a little, a little cringe to people, right? <laughs> Can I say that? My kids would be cringing right now. Right. Exactly. Listening to this. We're so cheeky. Yeah. I'm, listen, there are still so many. I need to just have a full <laughs> language session with you. Right. <laughs> uh, just more fuel for embarrassing my children. Um, but these vulnerable conversations, these moments of honesty of, I struggle here. This is real life. We are not all Instagram picture perfect. Um, I think is so important for people to hear, especially in this space, you know, for, for authors, for professors, for all like, listen, we're real people live in real lives. And that's where I get hope is Lamentations chapter three, because Mm -hmm. of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, but his mercies are new every morning because that's how often we need them. And another one of my favorites is Psalm 84, 11. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. He gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And you know, Rachel, I can look back at my life and think, I wanted relationship reconciliation with my parents. Like, how is that not a good thing? Mm. And God withheld that from me. And I thought I was angry about it for a while. But now I look and see that was a good thing. It gave me space to heal and to courage to learn new relationship patterns going forward. And I don't know that I would have seen that before. Mm. And I think back, one of the stories I share in Behind Closed Doors was during this early stages when I decided to to really get healing is um, I was having an argument with a family member. This was recurrent, just everyday drama. I'm sitting mm-hmm. on my recliner. I'm bawling my eyes out. And my husband comes and this is before smartphones. So he got a digital camera and came and took a photo of me. I was livid. Mm-hmm. I was so angry. <laughs> said, how could you do that? Like, look at me. And he said, yes, honey, look at you. And he turned that camera around and he said, this is what our kids are seeing every day. Mm. You mourning the life that you'll never have while the life you do have is passing you by. And I'm telling you, Rachel, something shifted me in that day. And I thought, okay, I'm just going to trust the Lord. I'm going to do everything I can to walk uprightly, knowing that I will stumble and his mercies are new every morning, Mm -hmm. that if he doesn't allow something that's good, that I think is good, that I have to trust him for that, that he's a son, he'll light my path. He's a shield. He'll protect me, Mm -hmm. um, that he gives grace and glory, which actually the Greek translation of that word is doxa and the physical weight of God's presence. So he gives Mm -hmm. us a comfort 
comfort blanket. Like who doesn't need a comfort blanket, a weighted Sign comfort blanket, right? You know? <laughs> so those are the things is that, um, and that's really what I want parents to find in this journey is not miracles or you know perfection or the secret key to this, but to find hope. Yeah. I just want you to find hope. And I think that's, that's all that we need. Mm-hmm. I love, well, you know, you're speaking my language. My my business name behind everything is Merciful Mornings. Yes. That's like, I just, all I need, please, please and thank you, right? Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, some coffee. Oh, yeah. A little bit of coffee, <laughs> a lot of Jesus. It's, we are the walking cliches. I know. Uh, okay. So two quick questions to wrap okay. us up. All right. Is there a book or a podcast outside your own? Because we all know we need those um, that you would like to recommend for those listening. So I have my own podcast, the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, and I have interviewed many authors on there with really incredible books. And so it would be difficult for me to call out just one, but I would encourage you to check out those episodes and see what book might be speaking to you at this stage of life that you're in. Yeah, that's a that's a challenge for me. And one of the reasons I include this question is I listen pretty regularly to John Acuff's podcast. And at the end of his, he always asks, so now it's like a love-hate thing because my wish list is eternal, right? Like I keep adding, oh, I need this book. I need this book. But I keep listening and getting more suggestions. Because <laughs> one day you just might have 500 hours to kill. You never know. You never know. It could happen. so last question super easy where can we find you you can find me at drnursemama.com drnursemama.com you can find my podcast any podcast platform and you can find my book anywhere books are sold and everyone needs to do all of those things please (laughs) and thank you so good thank you so much for being here today I know I have benefited so much from your book, your content, this conversation. And so I am so excited for our listeners to get to participate in this conversation too. Well, thanks, Rachel, to be with your people is a real privilege that I don't take lightly. And so thank you so much. And I just always end by saying, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Thank you so much. We'll have to do this again. Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening today. Be sure to check the show notes to get links for all the resources mentioned in this episode. As always, your reviews make such a difference. So thank you for taking the time to leave those for us. Your ratings and thoughts mean so much. I love reading each and every one. As we wrap up today, please remember, life can feel crazy and overwhelming sometimes, but you will never regret taking the time to create some breathing room.